Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Running a race. Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. Wherefore, seeing, we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your own minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father does not chasten? And if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, verily for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Listen to the heart of the man who wrote Hebrews. Listen to somebody who has a pastor's heart. Listen to somebody who compassionately loves people who are just getting weary of life. Weary of trial. Weary of struggle. Weary of the race. I remind you that the person that we have just heard from in these verses has a pastor's heart. Very, very concerned about those that he is speaking. One of the things that's going to come to our mind very quickly as we look at the scripture is we're going to ask ourselves if we in the West here are not just really soft. We haven't seen anything when it comes to difficulties or trials. Are we soft? Verse 1, it says, wherefore or therefore, means on the account of everything you've just heard in chapter 11, which is all about the great heroes of faith. By faith Abraham, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Moses, all the great Victories that happened by faith and also the great sufferings that also were endured by faith on account of all what has gone before us. A very strong inference. On account of the examples that have been set for us in chapter 11, the pastor here wants to make sure that you and I run our race because we were born into this world to run a race. 
participation in the race is not an optional thing. You were born into this world to run a race. That race is difficult, obstacles, it's hard, it's challenging. But we've just read a bunch of examples in chapter 11 of people who rose to the challenge and learned to jump the obstacles and fight through the hindrances. Seeing that we have such testimony in front of us, the pastor here wants to make sure that you run the race with perseverance. And that's going to be the key word. To accomplish what God wants us to accomplish requires perseverance. How do we run this race? We have to run the race knowing that we're surrounded by witnesses. You have to know that. This race is the same race that Abraham run. Now let me say that again. It's not a race like Abraham run. It's the same race that Abraham did run. It is a relay race. We're not running a different race than Abraham run. We're not running a different race than David ran. We're not running a different race than Joshua ran. It's a relay race. They did their part and they passed, I would say baton, you would say baton. Passed the baton. And this is a team effort and we're all on the same team. And it's not running, we are running a race like they ran a race. But it's not a separate race. It's the very same race. I hope you understand that Abraham's on your team. Are you catching that? King David's on your team. No, put it this way. I'm on his team. (laughs) We are together in the same race. It's not a race similar to their race. It is the same race. This is a relay race. And we win it as a team. Because the end of Hebrews 11 says, These men, these women, do not inherit the prize without us. It's the same race. So we need to run this race knowing that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and there are people who have done their laps ahead of us and now we're on the track. And it's our turn to run our part of the relay race. Run with that conviction. Team Abraham, yes. Also run the race with the conviction that in order to win, you're going to have to throw everything off that prevents us from running. And how do we run the race? We have to fix our eyes on Jesus as our orientation. Because Jesus is the author of our faith. He's the author and pioneer of our salvation. He himself was perfected by the things which he has suffered. And if that were the conditions of his race, let's not think that it's going to be any different for us because we're in the same race. And we have to accept that and understand that. It says in verse 2 that Jesus, the one we're to look to. Why do we look on Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because when the race gets hard, we look to our pain. We let our pain speak to us. We let our weariness speak to us. We let our tiredness speak to us. We let our aching muscles speak to us. And when it says look into Jesus, it's actually in the Greek it says looking away. In other words, don't allow your heart, your mind, your soul to be focused on the pain. Look away from it. And look to Jesus who ran the race already. It says in verse 2 that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. That means that Jesus understood that there is a prize at the end of this race. You don't get the prize if you don't finish the race. There is a prize at the end of the race. On the other side of the cross, on the other side of the suffering that Jesus went, there was something he won on the other side of it. Then you and I have to be focused on the gain, not the pain. Have to be focused on what is achieved and what is received after the race is all over. It says that Jesus despised the shame. 
The cross was no easy thing for Jesus to endure. But it says he despised the shame because when you get nailed to a cross, when you experience the hostility of unbelieving the world, when they throw shame and contempt on you, that can speak to your soul big time. As a matter of fact, it can be so loud in your heart that it might deter you from going through with it. You might begin to say, it's not worth it. I'm too tired, it's too painful, it's too hard, it's too difficult, too much commitment. It's just not worth it. But the Bible says that Jesus despised the shame. What that means is he wouldn't let the voice of the pain deter him from the will of God. That's what it means to despise the shame. I'm not going to let it talk to me. I'm not going to let it influence me. He would not give it any place in his soul. In other words, he fought through the pain that the race caused him because Jesus knew it was worth the effort. And here's a challenge that comes to us as believers because the Christian life can be hard at times. Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the effort? The prize that Jesus won is he sat down. The end of verse number 2, he despised the shame. He wouldn't let the pain speak to him. But instead, he is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He's enthroned. He won the prize. And we're to look unto Jesus for inspiration, not to complete our race, but to complete his race. It's his race, and we're participating as a relay team in his race. Look to Jesus as inspiration to finish his race. Because I don't know if I ever told you, but he doesn't plan on taking his inheritance by himself. Amen. He's sharing it with us. And so it says Jesus endured. His example is to speak to us. We're participating with him in the same race. We're to look to Jesus because we're to focus our attention upwards instead of inward. Looking away from yourself. Don't focus inward. Focus upwards because we want to finish well. If you are an athlete, how many know if you're going to win, you need training? Amen? You need training. Athletes need to be trained to win. And that means they have to be taught how to push through resistance. Resistance training is what builds the muscles. You have to learn, in order to win the race, you have to be trained the discipline of pushing through resistance. Now, the pastor here writing to Hebrews is talking to people who have gone through persecution. They're weary of persecution. They're fatigued by it. They're fainting in their hearts. They're fainting in their souls. They're fainting in their minds. And the threat of martyrdom is very real to this group of people that the pastor is speaking to. And his pastoral comment to them in the face of all of this is toughen up. Ouch, that got a big amen, didn't it? His, his, his pastoral heart basically said to them, toughen up. Jesus had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. That's a theme all the way through the book of Hebrews. Jesus had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. And the pastor is going to tell us here in this chapter that it's in the face of suffering that our obedience is put to the test and it's proved whether we love the Lord or not. It is in the midst of pain that your desire is sharpened. Because when it's hurting, you have to make a decision inside your soul, do you really want to win the prize? How deeply you desire something is revealed when you have to put up with resistance against the goal. You understand what I'm saying? How deeply do you want it? Do we listen to the cry of the aching muscles or do we listen to the prize of the soul of the, 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 that's ahead of us? 
the prize that's ahead of us. What do we learn? And it's in the difficulty, in the challenges, that God uses those circumstances to sharpen your desire. Do you really want to win? It's in the difficulties, according to the Hebrews chapter 12, that, that your, your commitment and the habit of obedience is fortified. According to the pastor in Hebrews chapter 12, the hardships, the trials, and the difficulties of life are simply training drills that Coach Jesus gives you so you develop the muscle to run. That's the attitude that the writer of Hebrews is, saying, is teaching us. And he says the obedience is confirmed by discipline results in partaking in God's holiness. Apparently the, the pastor here who wrote this must have understood all about the Olympics because he uses a lot of Olympic language, sports language in this. When he says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, that means the stands are full of spectators. What that basically means is there's many people who have run this same relay race ahead of us, and now they've run their part, and they are testifying to us to keep on running because they all wanted to quit as well. And to keep on going and keep on running. When it says to throw aside every weight, we'll look at that, not necessarily throw aside every sin, but every weight. What stops us from running a race? Well, with me, I'm too heavy. That's one thing for sure. And in Africa, I can't dance like them because I'm a little heavier than they are. Uh, You've you got to lay aside the, the weights. And in the, the, the Olympic Games, as they existed some several thousand years ago, this sounds awful, but they ran naked. I mean, the runners today run as skimpy as possible, but a few thousand years ago, they ran in the buff. <laughs> Why? Because they were going to allow any weight, not even loose clothing, get in their way. Running the race. When it says you have to look away, look to Jesus, look away, that means you really have to concentrate to run a good race. You don't allow yourself to pay attention to the screams of your body. Don't pay attention to the protests of your body. And as there's obstacles in the way, the race that we're running is not just a marathon, it's called a steeplechase. Which means you're running and you have to jump hurdles. There's hurdles in your way and you've got to stretch your legs and you've got to jump over these things. And when you jump over these hurdles, sometimes you get land in a pile of a pool of water and you've got to run through the water. You've got to run on the track and you've got to jump the hurdles. It's a marathon steeplechase full of things that we've got to hurdle and jump over and resist and push through. That's the picture of the race that is here. And it says in verse number 11, that word exercised thereby. Is it verse number 11? Yeah, the last part of verse 11. The fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That word exercised in the Greek is gymnasium. In other words, God has put you in the gym. And he has given you training exercises. And the fact is this. The writer is telling the people this. That hardships in life don't profit you unless you have the right orientation towards challenges in life. You have to embrace what God is doing in the midst of the challenges of life. In other words, every time you go through a trial in life, take it to the gym. Take your membership out in God's gym. (laughs) Take it to the gym, and it is training for you for profit. If you don't take that mindset, if you don't develop that mindset, all you've done is gone through a hard time and it has been wasted in your experience and likely only turns us into complainers. Take it to the gym so that we get profit from it. 
We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. What they are doing as our witnesses, they are testifying for us, and you can read their stories in the Old Testament, they're testifying for us that when it hurts and when it aches and we want to get weary and we're tired of the whole thing and the commitment is too much, what these men are telling us, what these women are telling us in the Old Testament is that the fight of faith is worth it. Say amen. Amen. The fight of faith is worth it. Don't give up. Don't listen to the aching muscles. Don't listen to the soul that's been bruised by criticism. Don't listen to those things. Take them all to the gym and turn them into profitable lessons and develop your muscles so you can run this race to win it because there is a prize at the end of the race. It's the same prize that Jesus is inheriting and it's worth the fight. It's worth the endurance. It's worth the training. It's worth getting a hold of our souls when we are just not feeling good about life. It's worth it. We've got a cloud of witnesses who are testifying. Remember what I have said. We're not in a sprint. We are in a lifelong, steeplechase, marathon, long distance. There are obstacles to overcome. There are hurdles that we need to jump. There are pools of water that we've got to run through. It is a brutal race. It is a long and a difficult course. What we have to do is just orient ourselves to the idea. Welcome to life. Because sometimes as Christians there's this wrong idea that now that I'm saved and God's my Heavenly Father that somehow I should be shielded from all difficulties. Well, we do that for babies. We comfort and we shield babies, but we don't do that for teenage children. We don't do that for adults. We want them to grow up and to mature. And we have to orient ourselves for the long haul. This is not a sprint. We're in this for life. And we need to take a long-term view. And we need to understand that you and I are in a major race, and a major race requires major training, and it requires major discipline. The writer of Hebrews is not so much concerned about how you began the race. He's concerned about you staying in the race and finishing well. Not how you began, but stay in the race and finish well. Is the prize worth it? Have you and I seen the prize that's going to be won at the end of the race? Do we understand what it means when it says, And he that shall come, will come, and not tarry. Do we understand what it means that there's a city whose builder and maker is God? Do you understand what it means to say there is a rest that remains for the people of God? Do you understand what it means that He is coming with an unshakable kingdom? Do we understand what it means when this world will pass away? Do we understand the prize that is at the end of the race? The painful struggle you and I go through life It either intensifies your desire or it takes you out. What do you want? Do you want to finish well? Now here's the wonderful truth of the book of Hebrews. The wonderful truth is this. The race is hard. The race is difficult. But somebody has completed the race. His name is Jesus. And he took on human nature. And he's been through all of life, like you and I. And he knows all about it. And he completed the race. 
He despised the shame. He's got the victory. He's already arrived. He is sitting down on the right hand of the majesty. And he is there as your dedicated coach. He is there as your dedicated trainer. Life is just one big gymnasium full of trials. But don't say they're trials. Say these are exercises that my coach has given to me to develop my race because he intensely wants me to win the prize. At the end, life is heaven's gymnasium. And you have a coach that is dedicated to training you to achieve the prize. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Hebrews 12 is about. But the problem is, when you start to feel the pain, do you listen to the pain? Or do you go to your high priest? Which is it that we do? The fact is this. We can call upon the Lord for grace. And we call upon the Lord for mercy. To put some fortitude in our souls. But it will cost us. You have to decide to be obedient. When we're going through the hardships, you're forced to ask questions in your own soul. Do you really want the will of God? Will you truly give up everything in life in order to obtain it? Because to embrace the will of God is to invite opposition from a hostile world. And listen carefully. If the woodpeckers without don't get you, the termites from within will. You have pressure from outside. You've got pressure from the inside. And so in this passage of scripture, there's five observations that I just quickly want to mention to you. One, you need to draw inspiration from those who've already run the race. You need to draw inspiration. Read their stories in the Old Testament. Meditate on them. Second, remove every hindrance that stops you from running, weight and sins. Number three, take an honest look and evaluate and realize that you really haven't paid much of a price yet. As hard as we think it is, that our difficulties that we have experienced are actually quite mild. Fourth thing in this passage of Scripture, you have to learn to embrace the positive value of being challenged in your life. Embrace the positive value of being challenged in your life. Hardship is normal. The world does not roll out red carpets for you. Hardship is normal. It's called life in a fallen world. But my God redeems life in a fallen world and is going to make everything work for my good. I have to take the attitude that I take it to the gym. Every time a hardship is there, I go to the gym with it. It's training. It's discipline. In other words, take it to the gym. Be trained by the difficulties of life. Otherwise, it's a wasted experience. Don't waste your sorrows. Make them work for you. Don't waste your sorrows. The the fifth thing, the race is run. You have to discipline yourself to look away from yourself. Get rid of the desire to crave comfort. No athlete who's going to win a gold medal craves comfort. They give it up in order to win the gold medal. Look away from yourself. Don't be craving escape. Don't be craving comfort. But instead, look, focus, and concentrate on Jesus. He's your pioneer. He's the one that has blazed the way for us to follow. He was the patient sufferer. He's the one who endured. He endured the cross. He endured opposition. And he won the race. And he is set down. And the prize has been gained by him. And now he's your personal coach to get you through your part of this race so that you can sit with him in his throne. Focus. On Jesus. He's triumphed and he sits in victory as the king and as a high priest. When it says that you and I are to consider him, in verse number three, that word consider 
in verse 3 is a particular word. It means you're hurt in life. And what you have to do is you have to make a calculated, strategic decision of how you're going to respond to difficulties in life. Make a calculated, strategic decision. Weigh this up in your heart and in your mind. Don't listen to your cravings for comfort or escape. But consider Jesus. These five things, inspiration, I won't spend much on that again, but we have heroes to emulate. Abraham persevered under hardship, and he persevered without the privileges that you and I take for granted. He wasn't filled like the Holy Ghost like we were. He didn't have access to the throne room of heaven like we did, like we do, and yet he endured. You know, and I repeat myself, we're in the same race. This is a relay race. Abraham doesn't win the race without the whole team winning the race. And we're on the same team. Remove hindrances. The other thing that we said. In other words, travel light. Don't let your life be burdened down unnecessarily with things in this world. I've got an announcement to make. This world's passing away. So don't invest your heart, your emotions, your finances, and your life in it. Live responsibly. Do what is right. But you have to hold everything lightly, knowing it's all going to be taken off you anyway. So don't. you have to live responsibly. Orient your life with that in mind. And, and just don't grasp anything. You have to be a steward. Avoid distractions. You have to get over issues in your life. Like, what's, what's a weight? You can have emotional weights. You can be weighted down with carrying an offense. And that offense will stop you from running. You can be weighted down. You've been hurt in the past, and you just haven't learned how to get over it. You can have sad events in your past, etc., etc., etc. There's a lot of things that cause people not to run. And the writer of Hebrews says, put off those hindrances because you're not choosing between what is good or what is bad. You're choosing to win the race. That's where we're at. It's a choice to continue. Sin is a crippling uh, hindrance for sure. Again, I'm repeating myself, but he says in verse number 4, you have not yet resisted unto blood. In other words, this hasn't cost you your life yet. We here in the West live extremely sheltered lives. This is a pastor speaking here, a pastor who wrote this passage of Scripture, and what he's telling them is this. As they are facing persecution, this group of people have lost their property, these people have lost their homes, these people have been driven out of the city, these people are ostracized by society, and he says to them, his words, not mine, his words is evaluate the relative mildness of your hardships. Would you say that was mild? From his point of view, evaluate the relative mildness. Because the writer of Hebrews has got the same point of view as the Apostle Paul. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul also said, For our light affliction, which is just but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And yes, it seems difficult. Seems. But when you get it in perspective, when you see the prize, when you've tasted the powers of the world to come, then what you discover is that the trials of life, hardships, we think is going to do us in, is actually relatively mild. Especially for believers who live in the West. You haven't been reported to the police. You haven't lost your home. Relatively mild stuff that we go through. We haven't suffered like Christ. We've gone through nothing in comparison to what Jesus went through. We haven't suffered in the extreme. We're in a fight 
and we are resisting and we're struggling against sin, the opposition of this world will inflict pain upon us, just like in a boxing ring, you're going to get pounded, for sure. Your limbs might become weak, you might think you're going to fail, and it's easy to succumb to discouragement. That's what's going on in Hebrews chapter 12. But the pastor says, toughen up. It's mild compared to the rest of the world. It's mild. And then I repeat to myself, embrace the positive value of challenge. Embrace the positive value of hardships. They are not pointless. You're in the gym and your coach's name is Jesus and he set up obstacles for you. And when you learn to jump these obstacles, when you learn to push through the resistance, when you learn to give it, when you don't think you've got any more to give, you are developing the spiritual muscle that you need to know, that you need to have to obtain the eternal prize that he wants to give you. Your attitude is important. You see, there's too many believers who think you said a sinner's prayer and that's all that's required of your life. Uh, forget it. Don't know where you got that from, but not the Bible. I'm not concerned about how you begin the race. I'm concerned how you end it. And you've got to run to win. You've got to run to win. So don't belittle the hardships as pointless things and neither be discouraged by the severity of them. What is happening is God is training us in obedience. That's the point. We're being trained in obedience. The writer of Hebrews quotes Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, and he is surprised that his congregation has forgot the exhortation that God is a father and God disciplines his children. And he is absolutely surprised that they have forgotten this exhortation. Hardships in our life means we have a Heavenly Father who loves us. But a self-centered point, a baby point of view, means hardships means God has abandoned me. But a mature way of thinking says hardship means I have a loving Heavenly Father who is concerned about my eternity. You see the difference? The baby will say, God has forsaken me. The mature thinking would say, God is preparing me for eternity. What's our mindset? Hardships are the occasion and proof of the Father's love and the Father's discipline. Hardships reveal that we are the family of God and hardships form our character. This establishes our identity as God's children. Every father, even limited earthly fathers, will train their children. They will guide their children. They will instruct their children to prepare their children for the future. If a father doesn't prepare his child for the future, he's no father. You're concerned. You want to see them grow out of the baby stage. And you want to see them change their diet. And you want to see them be successful. And you want to see them prove themselves in life. You want to see them do well in life. And every father will bring the discipline and the order that the child needs for its development. Lack of training by a parent means that parent doesn't care. Amen? That's a weak amen. (laughs) No parent wants a child to remain in an immature baby state. You want them to grow up. Now Now this is an effect of life. Growth demands overcoming challenges. Growth demands being stretched. Nobody grows without having to learn to overcome obstacles, and nobody grows without challenge. Learning lessons. You see, way back in chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 10, it says, from the Father's point of view, He's bringing many sons to glory. I've never told you, but the end of the story is glory. Do we understand the glory that shall be revealed? No, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. The end of the story is glory. There is an eternal rest. And the Father, our Heavenly Father, knows what is required of us in order for us to inherit 
And he is a loving Heavenly Father that sets up our own course in the gymnasium so that we and I have the power and the perseverance to run this race and to overcome and to demonstrate that we are obedient in all things so that we can inherit along with the Lord Jesus. Do we understand it's possible to miss it? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. I'm not interested just solely in getting people introduced into the kingdom of heaven. That's maybe the heart of an evangelist. I have the heart of a teacher. I have the heart of a pastor. I'm not concerned so much how you start. I'm concerned about presenting you to the Lord on Judgment Day and you're ready for it. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that you're prepared to give an account. I'm concerned that you inherit the prize. That's where my heart comes. The quality and the purpose of discipline from earthly fathers is different from our heavenly father. Because of their mortality, earthly fathers could only discipline for a few days. But because of my heavenly father, he's preparing me to live forever. My earthly father would have been limited And they just often discipline their children for what suits them as parents. (laughs) You know, but my Heavenly Father doesn't suit, doesn't change me for what suits Him. He changes me that I might inherit. A big difference. A big difference. We want to share in His holiness. The whole purpose of overcoming difficulties and trials, it says that we might be partakers of His holiness. That's what it says in verse number 10. Our sins have been cleansed. God's laws are written on our hearts. We're empowered by the Spirit to obey Him. But it's in difficulties, it's in challenges that we learn to obey Him and we actually live out the reality of our Christian experience. It's a a chance to prove the reality of our experience. So that's why the writer Hebrews says to submit to the discipline of the Father of Spirits in order that Christ, that through Christ you can be confirmed in his character and you've set your heart in the way of obedience. The pastor is very surprised that they have lost this. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, they have forgot the exhortation that addresses them as sons and daughters. The pastor is actually quite surprised at this oversight. He's actually shocked at their neglect of this most relevant scripture because God is a father and he's bringing many sons to glory and he's shocked that we think that God has to be all about our comfort instead of all of our training he's shocked at the people of this here's the truth the trials and the hardships that you and I face reveal to us that we have a caring and a compassionate Heavenly Father who knows far better than we do what's at the end of the race. He knows the value of it, and we don't probably appreciate the value of it. And so He is passionately moving us away from the present to gain the prize at the end of the race. He would not leave us addicted to this world that's passing away. But he would train us to win the race so we can obtain the prize. Without the discipline, you don't develop spiritual muscle. Without the discipline, you're not prepared to inherit what God has for you. The fact that we have hardships and challenges in life is evidence of a loving, heavenly Father who will not allow you to be pressed more than you're able. I've discovered that apparently God thinks I can handle far more than I think I can handle. But however... That's not true, because the God who puts me in this gymnasium has given me a coach who understands me inside and out, who knows my very feelings, who knows my very thoughts, and he's addicted to me to train me. And I can go to that throne of grace no matter what I'm going through in life, and I can find grace, and I can find mercy to help in my time of need. I can make it. I can make it. And so can you. In this passage, there are, there are two different types of people 
in this passage that's being addressed. One group of people are those who are indifferent to the hardships of life. Don't bother learning anything from it. They're just indifferent to the circumstances they find themselves. In other words, they have forgotten the word of exhortation. They have forgotten what God does as a father with his sons and with his daughters. They make light of the Lord's discipline and they ignore the fact that God's sovereign hand is at work in the midst of their adversities. And they simply don't learn anything in the hardships of life. They're just indifferent. And they don't realize it's an opportunity for growth, it's an opportunity for overcoming, and it's an opportunity to experience the grace of God in your life. They're just indifferent. It's a wasted experience for them. And the trouble about wasted experiences, you haven't learned anything, so you get to take the lesson again. How many know that some lessons I'd rather not take again? You know, don't waste the experience. And there's other people in this scripture that are not indifferent, but the people who lose heart. They lose courage. They faint. Some people have just a defeatist attitude. When life is hard, God's forsaken me. Why would God allow that to happen? Or, I can just never do anything right. I'm just no good. A defeatist attitude. Both indifference and those who lose heart because life can be tough. Both are wrong. We have to understand that when the writer in Hebrews uses the word discipline, the old King James Bible uses the word chasten, um, maybe that word chasten is what confuses people. Because we are not talking about punishment for sins. That's not what is going on. It is not punishment for sins. That's the mistake that Job's three friends made when Job went through a very difficult time. Or you're being punished for his sin. Come on, fess up, Job. We all know you've got a secret sin that you're hiding from everybody and God's digging it out and we're going to help God dig it out. You know, no, 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 a thousand times no. The word chastisement maybe is unfortunate in the King James Bible. Discipline. It means this is training in athletics. It means that God is going to redeem the challenges and the trials of your life to train you as an athlete so that you would finish this race so that you do not lose out the prize of Christ's inheritance. What a shame to claim to be a believer, but you never fought through a thing in life. And at the end, of when you're standing up in judgment, you are completely unqualified to receive that inheritance. What a shame. What a shame. Embrace the mind of an athlete. Discipline is not punishment. It's forming character. Trials are the evidence of a loving Heavenly Father who shapes you through the difficulties of life because He knows the value of the prize. He wants you to win. Why do some people think the Christian life is supposed to be immune from difficulties? Well, I thought I was a believer. Now I'd never have any more trials and I'd never have to go through this and I would never have to go through that. Does God exist for the sake of our comfort? And the answer is absolutely not. He's far more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. Because comfort will be lost at the judgment day. Character will pass the test at judgment day. He's not concerned about your comfort as much as he is concerned about your character. But he brings you comfort in the midst of your trial as you persevere. Amen. You can say amen. It's about growing up. It's about maturing. It's about developing. It's about building muscles. It's about being your life poured out for the sake of others. It's about inheriting all things together with Christ. And since that's what the goal is, the writer of Hebrews says it's time to change from the baby food and get a change of diet to something that's going to teach us about perseverance in the difficulties of life. We're to rivet our attention on Jesus. He's to become the focus of our undivided attention and our devoted concentration. He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He became one with us in our humanity. Now he's taking us to his inheritance. He's the example of endurance and he's also the one who enables us to persevere through everything in life so that we may also win 
the prize. I'm just going to finish with verses 12 and 13. Wherefore lift up the feeble, the hands which hang down on the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now what is so interesting here, the picture that we have here is a sports game being played and a doctor on the sidelines. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly the picture what we have here because we're talking about athletics and we're talking in medical terms. When it says, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees, uh, that which is lame be turned out of the way, let it rather be healed. There's a word there, strengthen. And it means to make straight a displaced, displaced limb. That means in the, in the fight on the, on the field, somebody's bone gets knocked out of joint. The doctor runs on the field. And what does he have to do? He's got to set the bone. Have you ever done that? <laughs> yeah, he's done that. That's what he's talking about here. When it says the feeble hands, the weak knees, have you ever seen that, that race, what do you call it, a speed walking where you're not allowed to run, but the speed walking, you know, they, you see their hips just going, you know, and you see them going and going and going and going, and do you see, have you ever seen people who've lost control of their limbs at the end of the race? They lose their balance, and they've given out so much, and so much, and so much energy, that they actually become spastic. They lose control. You know, there's, there's a word for that, the electrolyte imbalance. They can't control their limbs. Have you ever felt life be that hard on you? That you're losing control? The difficulty? Well, there's a doctor on the sidelines to minister to that need. When it says, lest it be turned out of the way, that lest that means you think you're going to get disabled. You're going to, your bones are going to get dislocated. There's a doctor there for you to get you through that. Need to make level paths for running. This is important that we understand this. This whole idea is that we're in the race together and this is a community effort. Nobody here is on their own. And what he is saying here is life is hard enough. There's enough hurdles and difficulties and trials in life and challenges in life. Don't add to the trials by just putting stumbling blocks in other people's way. That's what he's saying. Make this all level for everybody. Don't be offending people. Don't be creating circumstances unnecessarily for people. Life is hard enough. Don't be putting stumbling blocks in everybody else's way. Don't set a bad example so others turn back because we have set a bad example. In other words, walk in a straight line so other people can be healed and enabled to persevere to the end. We have doctors on the side watching us race. They're called pastors. They're called leadership. They're called elders. They're called Jesus himself. We're here so you win your race. And the goal is to win the race. So let us run the race to win. I want you to win. And this is the pastor's advice in Hebrews 12 to people who are just feeling weary with the challenges of life and the difficulties of life. There's a prize to win. God's good. There is a prize to win. Lord, open our eyes to see the value of this prize. Amen.